0: people shouldn't necessarily see this as like an, an emergency thing to do because you can get yourself in a, in a state of mind where you think you get yourself into a panic and you think, oh, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? It should be more of a, an organic kind of transition, you know, just looking at your life in general and saying, you know, which, you know, becoming, um, more re- responsible for yourself and saying, how can I take, um, You know, the weight of society. I can do this myself, you know, in in a lot of different ways. Um, And I'm taking the weight of society to look after me. You can look at it in that way as well, you know.
1: Hey there, and welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass Podcast. This is Brett, and uh, we are back with another episode all about prepping, uh, quote-unquote. And I say that very loosely. You'll find out why in just a minute. Uh, Before I hop into today's episode, uh, just two quick announcements. Um, The first one is that enrollment for my Digestive Health Practitioner Masterclass is closing soon, Uh, We are wrapping things up there June 15th and class starts on June 20th. I usually only teach this masterclass live once a year. And uh, outside of that, it is uh, full price and enrollment is go at your own pace. Uh, So if you are interested in um, attending live sessions and uh, being part of a group of practitioners, including myself, uh, where I can coach you and help you to uh, really get outstanding results in your clinic, Uh, With regards to not only just uh, gut health, um, as we know, gut health is really central to everything else, right? To overall health. And uh, so the practitioners that have gone through this program, which are now uh, over 150 of them, uh, the people that are implementing this into their practice are starting to see phenomenal results. And uh, I would love for you to join me in that program. Uh, You can go and check out holistichealthlive.com or uh, you can click the link in the show notes. The second announcement is from our show sponsor, uh, Energy Bits, blue-green algaes. Um, I have been consuming blue-green algae for the better part of 20 years. Um, it is nutrient-dense. It is When I say nutrient-dense, it is so dense, right? Tiny little tablets, vitamins, minerals, proteins, chlorophyll. Um, I just wrapped up two episodes with uh, Catherine Arnston, so you can go back into the archives and you can hear about all the benefits of spirulina, chlorella, plus the differences of those. And of course, because you're a part of this community, uh, you are entitled to 20% off all of your purchases. So that's not a one-time purchase, that's not a first-order That is all purchases moving forward. You can go to energybits.com and you can use the coupon code masterclass. So masterclass, all one word, Uh, or click the link in the show notes. Right, so on to today's episode. Um, I really did this as a bit of fly-by-night, I'm not gonna lie here. So the editing is a little shoddy. Um, The sound, we had some sound issues, so just uh, apologies right out the gate for that. Um, but I love it because it's an organic podcast here. Uh, the backstory, as you will hear, is that we had um, what some people would think is a tornado. Uh, they haven't quite classified it yet. But a couple of weeks back, we had a not even a couple of weeks, about 10 days back, uh, town was hit by a tornado, for lack of a better word, and it caused widespread devastation. Um, There were up to 900,000 people without power, and um, long story short, we found ourselves in an emergency situation. And um, thankfully, I had done a little bit of preparation for things like that, and uh, that is really what the nature of today's show is about. Um, I did send out an email uh, last week to our um, community. Basically saying, thanks for checking in, me and my family are okay, and uh, I got a whole bunch of replies saying, I would love to know what you did. And so that is really what this podcast is, is what did I do? But I thought to myself, you know, I don't have it all figured out, right? I'm, I'm really a closet prepper, I'm just uh, really starting out here and i know many of you listening to this are in the same boat and so what i thought i would do is send out the feelers and could i find someone who was maybe a little bit further ahead down the road and uh, get them on the show to see you know a was what i was doing is, is that is that correct uh did i do things right did i do things wrong could i do things better and so on today's podcast my guests have chosen to remain anonymous which i can respect And they are essentially living off-grid in a yurt and they have the whole whole life set up like that and uh, they've transitioned from a city life into a country life and they're starting to be more um, uh, less reliant on the system let's put it that way right so things like growing your own food um, generating your own power etc etc so anyway um, we're going to cover all of that as we get into the show. But I, I want to just be clear on a couple of things here. And the the first one is that there are many different variables and everyone's situation is quite different. So your situation, depending on where you are in the world and what time of year it is, is going to be different to what our situation is here in Canada at this time of year. Okay. I also, um, and that's why I opened up with that segment, right? And you will hear this repeated over and over in this podcast. I really want to encourage you to operate from a preparedness mindset and a looking forward mindset versus operating from a fear-based mindset. Okay, Because a lot of people in our space right now are looking at the future and going, holy smokes, I'm freaking out. What can I do right now? And I got to do it all, right? That's not what we're encouraging here. We're encouraging to just start the process, right? No matter where you are, just start the process, get the wheels turning and uh, start moving in that direction for yourself and your family, right? I will say this last thing before I uh, switch over to our podcast today. Every moment that you spend doing something that builds you up, that enriches your life, that moves you forward in a positive direction. That time will make you feel so good and you will cherish that time. Time spent riddled with fear, anxiety, watching what's going on in the world and feeling paralyzed is time completely wasted. All right, and on that note I am thrilled to bring you today's guests. And this is a very candid, open conversation. You'll hear some chickens in the background. You'll hear some kids screaming. And uh, I love it because it's just a super, super organic podcast. So without further delay, please welcome my guests today. And uh, we're going to jump into uh, Prepping 101. All right, so uh, welcome to today's episode. Um, Today, we are talking about, um, and I'll say very loosely, prepping. Um, I know a lot of people don't like to use that word. There's all sorts of uh, connotations attached to that. Um, But my guests today have chosen to remain um, anonymous, which I I can totally respect. And before we get into our conversation today, I just want to sort of um, preface the conversation with a couple of things. First of all, the reason why I'm recording this is um, we had a crazy... Some say it's a tornado, some say it's other stuff, but whatever. It was a crazy storm and it's like unprecedented for where we are. Uh, We had 900,000 people without power. Uh, Some of those people are still without power. Um, it was, uh, you know, giant trees being uprooted, power lines down everywhere. Um, we have a few people that are homeless, uh, roofs ripped off houses, you name it. So it was pretty, um, pretty catastrophic. And what that did was result in widespread um, displacement, uh, power outages and so forth. And um, I was basically home alone. Uh, Thankfully my wife and kids were away and um, basically it was like four or five days with no power and um, I was somewhat prepared and I say somewhat um, because I think, uh, that's why I have guests on today, Uh, I'm not sure that I was fully prepared at all and I think that with um, things that are going on in the world today, Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of you listening out there, um, you are perhaps closet preppers, perhaps you're thinking about being prepared, whether it be for, you know, food shortages, whether it's a cyber pandemic, um, whatever that is, it's just good to be even prepared in a basic sense. And I will say, you know, point blank, that the little bit of prep that I did made a huge difference um, to my experience. And uh, obviously, I was able to then go out into town and help other people that were maybe less fortunate. Um, So, you know, uh, welcome to the show, first of all. Um, How are you guys today? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Awesome. Um, So I think, you know, a couple of variables that I want to just throw out there um, that I would think, and please feel free to add to this. You know, I was thinking when I think about like prepping and being prepared, um, You know, I think that people have this very linear way of thinking about it, right? Like, we should all be doing the same thing, you know? And in my mind, I think about things like our geographical location would make a huge difference, you know, So someone who's maybe in the tropics. Like, we have listeners from all over the world here. So, you know, people living in warmer climates versus colder climates, um, northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, you know, uh, that would make a huge difference. Um, living in the city versus the country, that's a huge um, topic that I really want to dig into today as well. Um, the seasons, you know, I, I think that if I look at what happened today, well, a couple of weeks ago now, if that had happened in the winter, I think that things would have been far more um, catastrophic. And then I think there's also a big difference between prepping for, you know, let's say three weeks versus three months versus three years. Right. And uh, so my intention today with this podcast is really to um, do like a 101 type of introduction and to help people prepare for some basic emergencies and maybe also for certain things that might be a bit prolonged. So um, so um, welcome to the show. and uh, j- just curious um, if you would like to share, you know, when you think of like these types of emergencies and basic preparation, what are the first things that come to your mind? Like, if you had, if you had to just start from ground zero, what would be like the three or four items that you would really, you know, put on the top of your list? And yeah,
0: first of all, I mean, um, you know, these these events, whether it's weather, whether it's you know something to do with the government, government. Um, Whether it's a health crisis, you know, all these things, you know, give an opportunity for people to really look at their lives and assess their dependencies on the system. What what things they have to control themselves, and it really starts with, you know, looking at yourself, in my opinion, and looking at your whole, your whole um, existence, really, and Mm -hmm. starting step by step through your dependencies and what things you can provide yourself. Um, I mean, do
1: do, do you feel because and I totally hear what you're saying, you know, that was something that I think a lot of people realized, because um, what I realized anyway, was how unprepared most people are. And I think that what what it did bring into focus was exactly what you were saying, you know, um, w- what what do you need? Um, really, what do you need to survive in, in a sense, you
0: know? Depending on the, the event that you're going through or preparing for, your, your needs will, will change, right? So if it's a weather event, you may, like you say before, if it's in the wintertime, heat is a valuable source. So what, what is your source of heat that you have right now? It's about looking at that and, and saying, okay, what's, what's, if that, if we lose our gas, what is our backup? Do we have wood heat? Um, mm. Are we in a city area? Um, you know what is around us what what can our neighbors provide us perhaps um, there's there's a whole range of different things. Okay. Um, it's,
2: it's just kind of starting with that base of what are the basics that we need to survive so that shelter water um, and at uh, um, and food of course but at certain times of the year warmth it is going to be a big thing if you're up here in in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but each of those kind of require their own their own different assessments for each individual because the answer for someone in the country is going to be wildly different. And someone who lives in a condo that has a patio versus someone who lives in a condo and doesn't have a patio. What what opportunities do you have for for growing food? And if you don't have opportunities for growing food, how can you? expand on that even further so reaching out to your community and um finding different ways of accessing those 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 means
0: your needs yeah that, that's separating your needs from your wants yeah um, Bingo. So, mm-hmm. right so what are your needs to survive uh, if you go back to basics it, that is the, the good starting point and you know can you supply your own water where does your water supply come from? What if that water supply you know, was to stop for whatever reason? Yeah. What would you do in that situation? I mean, even just thinking about it and talking about it um, is a good start, right? Just to understand what sort of situation you're in and what your vulnerabilities are.
1: Yeah, well, well and th- th- that's exactly why we're just having an open conversation, because I think that that is the starting point, you know, is to just talk about it. I think that, um, you know, there are so many different variables and so many different needs depending on one situation that, again, my intention today is really just to open up the conversation and to get people um, thinking about these types of things, you know. So um, let me share a little bit of my own experience here, because I'm definitely not as advanced as, as uh, you guys are. Um, one thing that I noticed, you know, water water did not get shut off at all. We were very fortunate. However, because of the way that the power is um, set up and the hot water is set up, I did start running out of hot water. And again, that might not be so bad when it's, you know, 25, 30 degrees outside. But if it's minus 25 and minus 30 and you have young children and that's going to be a prolonged um, event, then things get a little bit different, you know. So, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then also, you know, okay, great. So I, let's say I have a whole bunch of water stockpiled or I've got rain barrels or what have you and I want to heat that up. That Heating that up is also going to require um, energy yes. and power and that starts well, that's tap- right. You know, so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different things to think about. But anyway, I, I feel in that respect, um, you know, I, I was definitely not prepared at all um, for the hot water situation.
0: Well, to give you an example of of of, uh, of us. Um, so in wintertime, we... Use a log burner. Um, and with that log burner, we can cook our food. It heats the yurt we live in. And it also heats the hot water that we use. So um in winter time, whenever we obviously we have to have the log burner on the time, right? So um we've always got hot water. Um now in the summertime <laughs> we don't have the log burner on, so we have no hot. Huh. right so so it's,
2: it's not it's not a means of i mean we've only been doing this um like living this specific lifestyle um for a couple years and it's not a means of it's not possible it's a means of time and that's a big thing when it comes to changing your lifestyle is it takes time to do these things so okay. don't try to tackle everything at once you really got to ask those questions and then start prioritizing them because when you look at the system. I mean, we, we started in spring, living on this specific property. Sorry, my baby's making one me. Don't worry about the kids, um, it's all good. <laughs> uh, um, but you would think that creating hot water for the summer because that season was to follow would be a priority. But really, what we're needing to prepare for is the season that's going to be hardest on us, which is winter. So all of our focus for the summer gets kind of pushed to the side. And our focus is then on making sure that we're warm for the winter and we have hot water for the winter. And if you live in a regular house, um, and you talk about something like a power outage and you don't have heat anymore, then you have to start thinking about like the damage of your house, like the pipes could freeze and Mm -hmm. burst. then you have like even more problems. So having a secondary heat source in any situation, it doesn't matter what level of preparation you're at. That secondary heat source is really going to help you out in, uh, like, preserving your your home um, and making it so that if the, like, because if, if the pipes were to burst, you wouldn't necessarily be able to live in there. Um, you're going to have other mm-hmm. problems. So, mm-hmm.
1: well, I, those things, yeah. I mean, I, look, I'm I'm really glad that you brought up the 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 time thing. You know, just to circle back because I think that's one thing that I Realize, and a lot of people listening to this, you know, you read a lot of stuff and you hear things out there, and maybe you attend some of these, uh, you know, there's there's uh, webinars and conferences and whatever else. And I tell you, it can just get so overwhelming, right? And I think that what people, you know, I've fallen into that trap as well, where it's like, okay, right, we need to do like, let's stock the pantry, let's get generators, let's do everything all at the same time, and, you know, you realize that um, a it takes time, but also. You know as as an avid gardener and food grower and um, which i've been doing for many years you know you as as you sort of go through the seasons you get one shot for that season and then you sort of you know take something for a test drive and go oh, okay wow that worked okay this winter Uh, Let's get prepared for the following winter and you have to wait a whole nother year to basically test drive the updated version. So I think it's very important for people to um, uh, just just be aware that these things take time. And uh, people that I know that have been that are, you know, even further down the road, you know, 15, 20 years down the road. um, It's constantly in flux and it's constantly changing and adapting uh, to, you know, new technologies and stuff like that 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 are coming out as well. Um, Right. Totally.
2: Because what we see happening with us because we've been, I mean, we've been homesteading for a lot more than two years, but um, the, the start that we got before the pandemic hit and people started looking at like possible food crises and all that kind of stuff um, control over, over food. um, And people started coming to us saying, well, what do we do? Like I, I need to do this. I need to do that. And they're, they're panicking and they're all trying to get as much done as possible. And it definitely creates a lot of panic. And it's not the state of mind that you want to be in um, to be able to make sure that you're doing that full assessment and prioritizing. Because if you just sat there with a list of questions and just started tackling all of them, you're probably not going to do it in the most efficient way and and answer those questions yeah. correctly.
0: In in my opinion, it's about taking the opportunity. So you know you've been through this this recent um, you know and you know the the weather event, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's about Taking that opportunity, not seeing it as a negative thing, taking the positives from it, and saying, "Okay, so if that happens again, what what did I not have, and, and where are my weaknesses, and how can I improve on that for next time?" Exactly. And, yeah. right, so not necessarily looking at the big picture, but just looking at that that one event that you went through. Now, again, you know that's that's a great opportunity to 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 you know, empower yourself really.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause you know, that's what you, this is what, if you look at the big picture, that's what we're doing. We're taking our power back really. We're taking control of our, our lives again. Um, yeah. we're not, we're not leaving our power in the hands of somebody else or relying on other or outside sources for our needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, we're taking that power back and I, it, you know, it really does, um, empower you for lack of a better word um, yeah well i mean that, that's really what
1: self-reliance yeah. is you know and i've spoken on the show before about you know radical resiliency and self-reliance and stuff like that and i think what we see out there um you know in in the in the larger domain especially here in canada is that what's happening is is we're actually slowly being led down this road where we need to become and we are becoming more and more and more dependent on the government the authorities and so forth Um, And and I think that, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of decentralization, you know, especially as we as we witness the centralization of power. Um, resources, etc. The decentralization of that is really the antidote. And, um, you know, I think it is time for at least even on a basic level, you know, because we've got listeners here that are maybe just thinking about this sort of stuff, they, their situation, you know, they live in a city, they live in an apartment, and they're sort of going, "Wow, well, I need to do all of these things. And I think that, you know, I love what you're saying, because I think from ground zero, really, it's about starting to think about how can I become more reliant or self-reliant and just rely on myself, you know, um, sure. yeah, I
2: mean, if, if I could just insert there, Go for it. I think one of the, the dangerous things that's happening in uh, and I know from our previous conversation, you would agree is when we start using catchphrases like self-reliance or um, self-sustainable mm. prepper and stuff like that, it puts us into categories and it makes people feel like, well, I need to depend on myself. And I think the most important thing is actually looking outwards and saying well who is my community and and finding people that align with you and um i think that if i was just talk about food preparation um and for someone that for example doesn't have a garden Mm -hmm. they can't be they don't have a garden they don't have the skill they don't have the space they don't even have a balcony they're like well i can't grow food like that that's just completely strike out okay so first of all um who in your community can grow food maybe you have to step outside a little bit outside of your city and find who your local farmers are or find your neighbors that grow food and ask to help them um there's a community there Mm -hmm. find um whether there's like a what are they called um those local that's really
3: basic
1: oh it's like
2: a csa um yeah csa but also where you can like get a plot of land and grow food
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, allotments yeah yeah yeah
2: get an allotment um or just just finding a farmer that you build a relationship with who knows you and um you you regularly buy from and you create a trusting relationship but then even further even if you don't have that garden develop the skill go to workshops workshops are a really great way of um, meeting who in your general local community have like-minded concerns. I don't know how to grow food. We both don't know how to grow food, but we think it's important. And now you found someone that I would assume is somewhat within an hour of your range that has the same concerns as you. That's a good way of finding your community. And if something was to happen, very, like if something bad was to happen with the food crisis and. Um, you w- were to be come part of a community, you don't want to become part of that community and come in with no skill,
3: mm-hmm. you need to be
2: able to bring something to the table. So even if you hadn't had a garden all those years, but if you were helping someone else garden, or you were going to workshops and learning the basics of gardening, at least you're able to bring something to the table. In my opinion, that skill, that's a preparation.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that. And, you know, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, because as much as I can talk about self-reliance and self-sustainability and all that sort of stuff, I mean, I think for, for the majority of people, being fully self-sufficient is a bit of a pipe dream. And it takes a long time to get to that point. Like, I don't know anyone that is 100 percent self-sufficient. No, uh, and you know what?
2: It's lonely. If you, <clears throat> if you watch like documentaries on people that have lived alone for years or have even done like kind of an ex- um there's people that have said, like, I'm going to live alone for a year and see what it's like to completely depend on myself. And they're like, I successfully did it. But what I realized is that living alone is really, it's lonely. Like, we're, as as humans, we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to exactly. be a part of a community.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and that, that so, you know, that's what I experienced anyway. And this is going back a year. You know, I sort of had some epiphanies mid-pandemic, um, The stress levels were crazy, like just being able to sort of see what's going down in the background was, you know, created a lot of anxiety and to the point where I took a break from podcasting um, and made a concerted effort to actually go out into my community and over the last um, while have actually built relationships with like-minded people, have connected with people that are doing a variety of different things, you know, on the food side of things, um, community gardens, there's allotments around here, uh, I actually land up, uh, I volunteer on a, they're not certified organic, but they're organic, an organic farm, you know. So um, I decided to go and uh, I help them basically for like a half day a week. And they show me how to grow food at scale. And they also give us uh, food every week for the family. So. Right. Yeah, you know, right, so that right. sort of thing. Like, it's a, it's a nice relationship, but also what I noticed was, you know, so I was doing that prior to uh, this recent event, um, weather event that we had, and um, what was cool is just to see that all of a sudden I had a bunch of people around me that were all sort of messaging one another and going, "Hmm, this is a good dry run." You know, th- this is interesting right. for us exactly. to see what's going on. And, um, you know, yeah, so I, like for me, I, I had a generator, you know, so I was home alone. A lot of people knew that and they were checking in and sort of saying, hey, are you OK? You know, we know that you're home alone and everything. And I was like, yeah, honestly, I'm I'm fine. And the generator was the thing that helped me um, just from the power side of things. But I also realized um, and just and I know I'm skirting around things a little bit here, um, but what I realized was that the the generator had some severe limitations to it, you know right. um where a uh, gas power generator well, you need gas right right so obviously that's a yeah. finite that's a finite resource and um you know I've then thought about, well, do I do like a solar power generator, which is you know very costly, but yeah. what does a solar generator do in the winter you know i i i don't yeah. know so um yeah so anyway and and i I mean again i'm I'm uh, maybe a little bit off topic here and hopefully we can just segue into that but you know I, I think of the short term in the short term that was a fantastic solution but i did wonder to myself like what would have happened if that went on for like another month or what right. if the what if the outages yep. were not just um you know localized to a few hundred kilometers what if that was like you know the blackout in august of 2003 was the whole um eastern seaboard you know it, it you, you couldn't outdrive the power outage and what would you do in that situation if it carried on for two two or three weeks or three months you know
0: yeah so so just looking at that um one thing springs to mind is your reliance on electricity
1: mm, right okay
0: so you know so y- you your complete reliance there or a big portion of that is worrying about where would you get your electricity from so what i would suggest you know just to look at what what do you need electricity for you know mm. just going back to your basic needs and starting from there can you know for cooking for hot water um is there other ways you can do that right so you're not fully reliant on the electricity right yeah, yeah you know just just to change it up a bit so instead of worrying about um where to get the electricity from look on the other side of things and say okay so what do i need electricity for and can i find other ways of doing or or, you know yeah uh, yeah yeah if
2: i if i could just say like because i think probably what everybody like i'm thinking of like people that live in the city and they're probably saying well um water (laughs) i Mm -hmm. need i need electricity for water and i mean that's what my mom had said well if our power went out our well wouldn't be pumping like we wouldn't have water from our well because we need our pump like it comes down to like even people in the country don't have access to their water if they have no
3: electricity
2: and finding solutions for that Mm -hmm.
1: that might be no, and that, that's exactly what happened to some people here. um you know, yeah. they were basically like, "Oh well, power outage we get we can flush the toilet one time and then we're done, you know, and five days go by, and you know there you go, you've got you you know they' same thing. they're on well water um or they've got a septic tank and that sort of stuff um out in the country, obviously um so well, yeah
2: we li- when we lived in a we had these neighbors that they used to get their water. I think it was like an hour drive because used to the it, first spring, yeah. the spring because they didn't want to drink the city water. And at this, the reason why it came up is we um, we used to have a solution that would filter out the um, like some type of I can't remember what it was called, but some type of solution that we added to the water. And it like. Do you remember the name of it, um, but it, it used to filter the water and yeah the impurities Um, and we had the same concerns, the the access to healthy water while living in Etobicoke. But we had two very different approaches and both of them had advantages because, I mean, if we had access to any sort of water, whether it was gross Ontario lake water, Mm -hmm. we could filter it. Right. Right.
3: Right. Right.
2: Um, And they had access to clean water. Um, but it was a bit of a drive, but it just automatically came <clears throat> to them.
0: Yeah. Knowledge to know where those springs were. Yeah. Like, cause you know, am I, if someone said to you, where's, where's the nearest freshwater spring, would you know where that is? Right. And
1: yeah. how far
0: away that is, you know?
1: I mean, I, I'm in a very fortunate position in geographically speaking, where I'm pretty sure the people that you're talking about came to my spring. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right.
1: um, the spring is uh, it's a 10 minute drive down the road. Um, and if you if you really had to walk it, you could walk it. Um, but, but nonetheless, and I see people there all the time. Uh, so, but, you know, same thing, right? So is that sustainable in the long run? Well, you know, then you're talking about gas to get there and back and that sort yeah. of thing. So right. I, yeah. I just want to circle back to the energy thing, um, you know, because we, we sort of trailed off there and then I want to come back to water because, uh, you know, what what I what happened with me. So I had the generator. I wasn't running it all the time. You know, it was I would sort of cycle it on, like leave it on for a couple hours. The main thing for me was not about lights, was not about heating or anything. Of course, it's, you know, almost summertime here. Um And in the winter, that would have been a concern is the heating and all that sort of stuff. But what I also did last year was actually um, start stocking up on little propane tanks for um, camping stoves. And so, um, yeah, so I've got a little two, you know, it's a two plate burner that just runs on the little green propane tanks. And uh, we we're avid campers. Um, We've done a lot of backwards camping and stuff like that. So we've got a lot of that gear. And I would say to people... You know, um, even if you're not an avid camper, that is one thing, especially if you're living in an apartment type of setting, uh, you know, having a propane burner where you can at least heat up water, you can cook a meal and that sort of stuff is is huge and it's not very costly, right? The other thing that I um, had set up here and I did this last year was I have two propane tanks, the big ones, for like a gas barbecue, right, for a grill. And um, having those two as backup as well, um, honestly, over the five days, I didn't cook anything on a stove because our stove is electrical. Um, I know a lot of people have gas stoves. So the stove for me wasn't really an issue at all. My main, you know, need for, um, at the in the current situation anyway, my main need for electricity was really to preserve food in the fridge and the freezer. Right. That, that, that was really it, you know. And I know that there's a whole bunch to unpack there as well. And, uh, you know, we can get into, um, you know, pantries and dehydrating and all sorts of stuff you know
0: that's a great uh, short-term example of how to survive in the short term right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in people in cities and things like that that is um, something to really look yeah. at you know more barbecues. Uh, i was just saying that propane supplied um, gas bottles you know barbecues that sort of thing charcoal even you know a good short-term solutions Well, you know, and, and like for, for us, for example, we're now looking at um, um, making a, a biogas generator uh, when we get a bit of time, you know, so we can actually generate our own uh, burning fuel, uh, natural gas, right? Um, so now, you know, it starts, you know, if you're in a city situation, it, it starts with the short-term solutions and then looking into more long-term solutions when you, when you, you know, if you, if you live in, um, like like Ozigs for example, you know. Uh, uh, rainwater collection, solar solar panels.
3: Um. Yeah, we have solar
0: panels. Um, we in the winter time we have to use a, a gas generator just to, yeah, because I work from home. Um. So, yeah, just to get. Those you know, those extra hours. We call it
2: we call the dark days. There's like <laughs> two weeks of the winter, and um, there's just not very much sun, <laughs> and it, it we basically live by candlelight and flashlights yeah. for because I mean we don't depend an incredible amount on electricity.
1: I I get that, and, and I think you know one thing I've always said. It's it's uh, I I think there's a fine needle to thread, you know where. Uh, A lot of people have this idea that we have to sort of go back to spears and loincloths, you know, and that's what it it means to kind of prep. And I'm sort of like, well, we don't really have to go that way. And, you know, if you want to, that's different. Um, I've been to some places where people are living in caves and stuff like that, and they're completely off-grid entirely. But I don't think that's not really what we're talking about. I think that there is a way to sort of um, split the difference, you know. But what we're really digging into here is... Um, in in an emergency situation, that's really what we're talking about, right? Um, the things that we're very dependent on for our lifestyle now, how do we either sustain those things in an emergency or do can we do away with them in an emergency? Right. You, you know mm-hmm. that, that, That's really what it, and I think that's something that everyone needs to sort of think about um, in, in their own unique situation, you know?
3: Right.
0: Um, I, I'll just add to that. So today is a unique period in time where you have access to so much information.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you wanted to learn any any skills, for example, you know, wiring up uh, a solar system, like a, a solar electricity system, the information is there at your fingertips. Right? Yeah. So yeah. you don't have to, you don't have, even if you live off grid, you don't have to, like you say, you know, being loincloths and back in the dark ages, you can have access to internet, you can have all the luxuries and that you, that you do in the city yeah you know and and to still be off grid at the same time
1: yeah you know which i think is very empowering for people to hear because um i think there's also a lot of like misinformation or maybe misperceptions around what this all means, you know, and and of course, there's a lot of people that are, you know, 100% prepping for total doomsday, you know, and, and, um, and I think I'll sort of pull myself back from that in this conversation anyway, just to sort of say, hey, from a basic standpoint, what do you need to do, you know, um I want to come back to something that we were talking about a minute ago, which is the water situation, right? um. And, you know, we highlighted a couple of scenarios there. You guys at one point had a rain barrel, I believe, in the city, or you had methods for filtration and stuff like that. And then people were going to the springs. Um, one thing that I might suggest for people, um, two things, in fact. One um, filter that I personally like and use, um, is, it the, is it the best water filter out there? No, it's not. Um, is it a practical water filter that is really high quality? Yes. And so the Big Berkey... Um, you can just go check out Berkey Berkey Water Filters, so that's B-E-R-K-E-Y. Um, and uh, those, what I love about them is that uh, they have a very high filtration rate, so they're very, very high quality, but they're also portable. So you don't have to rely on any plumbing. It doesn't have to be connected to a tap or anything like that. You can simply fill it up and then filter your water right through it, and it's portable. So if you need it to move, um, you could pack that up, uh, throw it in the car, and, and off you go. The other portable filter that I like, and I don't have a name brand for you here, um, but from doing a lot of backwards camping and that sort of stuff, you get these little filters and all they are, it, it literally looks like, um, if you can imagine uh, people doing hand and wrist exercises, you've got these things that you just squeeze, it looks like an A, like A, like a grip, and you just squeeze it and on that is a filter. And then it's got a hose. Uh, and the hose you throw out, it's like a, it's like six feet. Some of them are 10 feet long. And you would throw that out into the lake or wherever you are. And then you would just hand pump the water into a bottle. And that you can, uh, you know, it, it packs up really, really small. And uh, you can throw that in a backpack and be good to go as well. So, again, um, that might not be, you know, might not last you a whole year. Uh, but the Berkey filter, filters, for example, you know, the, the black filters on that, um, I think they're, they're good to filter 22,000 gallons or something crazy. You know, so you only need to replace those once every three or four years, even under normal living conditions. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, just wanted to throw that in there. Um, So can we talk about... um, So we've spoken about uh, energy, right, which is obviously important. Um, We've spoken a little bit about heat. Um, One thing that I would have done, Mm -hmm. at least from the short term, and I think this is going to be my plan moving forward is to actually plug the generator to, to have a cable that comes right off the mains of the house and uh, basically right. have that generator plugging right into the board. And then what you can do is you can turn off all the breakers and I could still keep the breaker on for hot water, uh, for heat and so forth because I had no heat and I had no hot water eventually. And if that was in the winter, it would have been a bad situation um, if that carried on. So, um, so what, about, what about food? Um, can we maybe dig into that a little bit?
0: All right. Yeah, so food, um, um, In this, for us, for example, we can grow our own food. We have the space to do it, and we have been doing it for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, f- you know, one thing is the preservation of food. So, you know, in the wintertime, we can't grow food. So yeah, well, everything we grow in the summer, we have to either preserve it, put it in the root cellar, uh, dry it. Uh, to make it last as long as possible, so we can eat our own food for as for as long as possible. Now, if you're in a a city, for example, you might want to consider dried foods, foods that don't go bad. Yeah. Um, very quickly. Um, you know, having a, a store of of the things that you 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 know you think you might need.
2: You know what I did is several years ago when we first switched to homesteading is I realized I didn't know how to cook dried beans.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the, simpli- the simplicity of that beans to me were something that came out of a can. I actually didn't like beans for the longest time. So that was a transition on its own it is accepting to change, change our diet um, so that I learned how to do that. So that if at first I used to say, well, if things went bad, I would have a store of dry beans because they're the easiest thing to store. I mean, you still have to worry about humidity and all, all that mm-hmm, kind of stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but they generally are pretty easy to store. And um, But they take skill. Like, you need to know how to do that. You And it, it took a little bit of practice. I mean, some people that cook beans all the time are probably thinking that <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous that she had to learn how to cook beans. But for some people, there's certain things that you're just not taught how to do like, it's just not part and, mm-hmm. and forcing yourself how to do something like that allows you to be, um, sorry, my toddler's suspecting me. That's
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> just
2: allows you to, to be, um, more sustainable in that way and kind of assessing what you're eating. Um, is it sustainable? So, uh, we used to eat a pretty high meat diet and, first of all it's expensive um especially nowadays yeah yeah and i mean we do raise um our own chickens and we buy bulk beef um from a a fellow neighbor and um sorry that's okay i'm not doing very well (laughs) maybe graham you want to talk
0: (laughs) yeah i'll take over um yeah so um just change i mean looking at your diet in general and looking at the things that you know that are available to you now where are you getting those things from where are they coming from are they coming from abroad are they coming from uh low are they locally supplied mm-hmm. um because you know if, if the, the the food chain goes down or a food food supply chain should i say um will those things be, be available um, yeah, or what's available lo- locally to you that you can easily get a uh, hold of.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think there again, you know, that that really brings into focus the difference between living in a city versus living in the country. You know, because um, for yeah. me. I mean, we, we're surrounded by farmland, so I think if uh, if things really hit had to hit the fan, um, you know, we are in the middle of farmland. And we've got a lot of local places, and uh, you know, uh, local farms we can buy directly from, but also a lot of places in town that are stocking local stuff, um, which right. I think is huge. But you know, yeah, living in the city, where you know, I mean, any grocery store for that matter really has, uh, you know, you've got like a three day supply of food basically right. and if and once that's gone, you know if nothing new is coming in, that's pretty much it um so you know, I like that about changing your diet and just thinking about that and it's kind of interesting um that just just to sort of trail back in the conversation. Uh, yeah. You know the the, the dried stuff. Um, that's what I did last year as well. Like I've I've always been aware of bulk suppliers, but uh, what I've done is started to rotate food a little bit more in the pantry that I have. So uh, actually buying like five kilogram or ten kilogram bags of uh, different kinds of beans, grains, and that sort of stuff, and then storing them in um, you know like in an airtight uh, situation or, or container. And I find that um, you know it it's it's definitely got me eating more of those things for sure, um, because I'm trying to rotate them. But I also realized like, wow, you know, you, you can store these things for such a long period of time. And um, right. that would have be been my next thing, you know, I mean, let's say, you know, uh, let's say electricity went out, ran out of gas on the generator, and that was it. Like there was not a whole lot of cooking going on, except for what you can do on a grill. Um, you know, having those grains and having those beans, uh, nuts and seeds as well, you know, they, they tend to store quite well. Um, you know, yeah, I could, have, I could have at least survived, let's put it that way, and I could have survived for quite some time. I could survive for quite some time. Um, you know, on the food thing, just, just as a nutritionist, uh, I think what I always say to people in these types of emergency situations is, the, especially prolonged emergencies, the first thing you really need to think about is calories. The second thing you need to think about is nutrients. And then the third thing would be taste. You know, right. so that's what I look at it anyway. Um, and I think like I got I bought 60 pounds of dry goods um, towards the end of last year. Uh, 60 pounds of dry goods that equates to like a, a large number of meals and a large number of calories which could sustain a family for quite some time. You
0: know, if you buy in bulk, you, say, you usually save money as well. So much money. Right. So, so much. Um,
1: yeah, I just, I'm going to put this out there for local people that are in um, the Ontario area. Uh, There is a company called A&E. So that's the letter A and E, the letter E. Um, You can look them up. A&E Fine Foods, um, they do bulk suppliers. They actually supply a lot of the health food stores in the uh, greater Toronto area and in Ontario. And uh, I bought, um, I forget, I think it was about 60 pounds worth of food for less than 100 bucks. And it's all organic, um, etc., you know, so that that's a game changer. Um, because of course if I had to go and buy sixty pounds of food from the health food store, um, yeah, you can do the math on that. That would've cost me yeah. hundreds of dollars. Uh so you know, there's there's ways to work around these things. Um but uh yeah, you know, you spoke about food preservation as well. I think that's definitely something that people really need to start um uh like just start educating yourself on that. You know, we yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that, you know, um People shouldn't necessarily see this as like an, an emergency thing to do, because you can get yourself in a in a state of mind where you think you, you get yourself into a panic and you think, oh, well, what if this happens and what if this happens? Hmm. It should be more of a an organic kind of transition, you know, like just that. looking at your life yeah. in yeah. general and saying, you know, which, you know, becoming um, more re- responsible for yourself and saying, how can I take, um, you know the weight of society. I can do this myself, you know, in in a lot of different ways. Um, And I'm taking the weight of society to look after me. You can look at it in that way as well, you know. Mm -hmm. I I like that. I like that a lot um, because, you know, I think
1: we all have those tendencies, especially over the last two and a half years where it's just been nonstop, you know, 24 hours a day, fear, fear, fear and anxiety for people. Um, I think especially people in this community, um, there is a tendency to operate from a fear-based mindset. And and I think it's important for us to remind ourselves that uh, we could transition to an abundance type of mindset, um, you know, a, a liberation type of mindset. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I, I, hundred percent agree with you on that one.
0: I was just, um, just to add to that as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, for personally, myself, life is a lot more satisfactory now since transitioning to this sort of lifestyle. Um, before, you know, living the day-to-day city life like like everybody else, there was always um, I, I, there was always a hunger for something else. I never kind of figured out what it was now, when transitioning to this lifestyle, the little things you appreciate a lot more, you know, like <laughs> running water for example yeah, you know yeah. um heat in the wintertime you suddenly start taking more appreciation for those things, and it actually helps you to become complete within yourself, you know hmm. it, it it does solve a lot of um Mental related issues. When right? you
2: get that first hot shower in the summer,
0: <laughs>
2: there's yeah. actually very few things that make me quite so happy.
3: <laughs> Cold you know,
2: showers—they're—they're they're healthy and everything, but they're not enjoyable.
1: <laughs> you know, it—it it reminds me of—it um, reminds me of of when I was traveling. I was much younger, and I was traveling through Africa, which is where I'm from. But I was traveling up the coast. And landed up in a place uh, called Malawi, which is one of the poorest countries, if not the poorest country in the world. Right. And um, landed up uh, camping out on Lake Malawi, which is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's just you're in another world. And landed up speaking to one of the locals. We sat around the fire all night. And uh, a couple of things have always stuck with me. For them, these were some of the happiest people that I met at the time which was very interesting to me, and I was like, wow, you guys are so happy, you know, and, and I said, well, what, what's the deal, like how, and I was much younger, right, I didn't know then what I know now. And one of the things that really struck me was the, the, they didn't have a lot of choice, you know, so they sort of said, well, we either do this or we do that, and that's it. And when you don't have a lot of choice, and you bring everything back to ground zero, th- you appreciate absolutely everything that you have and uh, yeah. and 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 that's what i got from them was like wow we appreciate everything we have and that actually makes us happy and because we're not bogged down with all of these choices and infinite possibilities and all that sort of stuff it kind of keeps our feet on the ground and actually makes us happy which which i thought was quite interesting and um yeah
2: it's it's being yeah. humble it
0: makes yeah. you realize what's
1: important to you yeah, exactly, and and even for myself personally, you know, going through um, going through divorce uh, quite some time ago, and I lost everything. I lost absolutely everything I owned in that divorce. And um, at one point in time, you know, my my worldly belongings fit into a five by nine storage unit. Um, that that included a bed, that included a, a couch, and I remember at that time for for quite some time around that period. Uh, Just, you know, really thinking about, like, wow, like, you don't really need all that much to survive and not having all of this stuff actually made me feel really good, you know? Um, So, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, The the minimalist, uh, more of a minimalist type of uh, lifestyle, right? Which is kind of what we're getting into here. Um, So... So we've spoken about energy. We've spoken about food to some degree anyway. And I I know we could speak for hours about each of these topics um, on on their own. Uh, We spoke about water. Um, Can we talk about, um, because this is something that I noticed anyway. So the lights go out and power goes off and suddenly nothing around you works. Right. So so you can't just go down to the store. You can't go fill up with gas because the gas stations here weren't, they weren't operational at all. And so, um, you know, for me personally, I'll just share what I did, and then I would love love to get your input. Um, and obviously, I'm not um, off-grid at all. Like, I'm still somewhat reliant on the system here. But um, I found that having some, uh, having some gas stored, which doesn't store very well, so um, I do have a, a bit of gas that's stored on the property, with some fuel stabilizer in it, and again, that's stuff that I just cycle all the time. So, um, you know, once a month, I might use it to just fill up the car or use it for something else, and then I'll, I'll refill that. So that that I found helped me in the short term. It's not a long term solution, but suddenly you go to the gas station and your bank card doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't withdraw right. you can't withdraw cash suddenly. And I started seeing that around here. I started seeing a lot of people who were like, "Oh, driving past the gas station, they're like." Oh, now what? You know, or stopping in at the bank, and they're like, "Jeez, I got no cash. All I've got is a piece of plastic." And so, um, having some type of cash on hand, and I know people are now nowadays really getting into gold and silver coins and all sorts of stuff. If you really want yep. to get out there, um, but you know, it brings into question, um, you know, if you didn't have cash on hand, if the power was out, uh, that really starts tapping into your ability to purchase anything around you, and also for those people who are really into cryptocurrency it kind of ta- it kind of cuts you off at the knees with regards to cryptocurrency as well. So I don't that know if you have one any, of the, any thoughts uh, on that.
0: Yeah, yeah that, you know, cryptocurrency is great um, in a lot of ways, but its Achilles heel is the internet. You know, if, if, yeah. you, if the internet goes down, uh, you can't, what can you do, right? Um, gold and silver are, are, have always been uh, great trading um, commodities. Mm-hmm. But if you were to, my advice on that would be to have um, small pieces of each. So what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. like gram-sized pieces, um, because if you wanted to buy, say, um, a, a loaf of bread, but yeah. all you have is an, o- an ounce of gold, you know, you know what 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 are your options there? You y- be, you're not you getting change. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, cash is always great as well because it's in your hands, right? That is one thing you got to look at. When, when it's in the bank, it's, you know, especially these days, it's all done electronically Yeah, And um, with machines. Yeah. They can just turn those machines off as we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. At, recently in recent events, um, for whatever reason, you know, they can come up with any reason they want to and just, just switch off the, off your account. Right. Yeah. As we've, we've just seen so you know cash to have on hand is always a a great thing Mm -hmm. to do Uh, it's advisable and above all else skills knowing what you can offer other people um in exchange for what they can offer you right you know uh, which comes back to community ultimately yeah 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 you know you have extra food that you can give somebody, and they can give you fuel. Um, you know what what commodities do you have that you can trade with other people?
2: Yeah, I read uh, something one time. They were they were talking about preparation and what to store. What are your top thing, favorite things to store? And she said, um, going down to your comment about um, uh, flavor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something that people don't really think of. Um, when they're prepping their their stock, is uh, if you were to have salt and sugar on hand, at, at in quantities that you could trade,
3: mm-hmm. you're
2: going to be like someone's best friend for trading because they didn't think of it, and boy will they miss that. And like if you're if you're storing good salt, um, yeah. yeah, you're talking about minerals. Like this this is this is going to be impacting your health, if mm-hmm. not flavor. Um, so it's it's a good commodity to have, salt and sugar.
1: Yeah, well, and I'll sort of add to that if I, if I can. And um, be, before I do, I just want to circle back to the currency situation, um, you know, and, and again, I don't want to look too far down the road here because I think if we look too far down the road, we could get into things like digital IDs, we could get into everything being tied to that. I've spoken about that on the show before. I don't even want to go that far down the road. I think even just in an immediate setting, Having some cash on hand with uh, smaller bills, right? So five, 10, 20 dollars, 50 dollars, um, because you know truth be told, you can go to a store, and even if that cash register's not working or their point of sale is not working, that person will still sell you something. You know, guaranteed they're going to sell you something that you need in that in in that time, right? Uh, again, is that a long term uh, solution? Not necessarily. Um, gold and silver, again, is not uh, you know accessible to every single person. Um, there's limitations with that as well. And I think for me, I look at that as a as as something that might come into play much further down the line. All right. So I just wanted to sort of throw a couple of those things out there. Coming back to um, essentials, there, there's a great. I need to like actually go and find this, but. There's a great manifesto written by a guy who survived, um, I think it was it was in Bosnia or in Kosovo in the 90s. And uh, for those who don't know, there was a crazy war that happened there that lasted quite some time. And there were people in that area that didn't have any power for a whole year. And uh, this guy happened, the guy that wrote the manifesto happened to be, I think he was a nurse or he was in the medical profession of some kind. And he basically wrote this whole long um, manifesto as to what his observations were, right? And he sort of said things like, you know, a gas generator is great in the beginning, but as soon as everyone else starts losing power and you're the only person with a gas generator, your house is going to get looted. You know, people are going to come knocking, right? Um, but, but some of the things to trade, I mean, his big, big tip, ticket items, uh, salt, sugar, as you said, um, cooking oil was another one. You know, people don't think about that. Um, So just, you know, so stuff's not sticking to everything. Um, Cooking oil was another one. Batteries were huge. You know, so he was like, if I could have stockpiled and for some reason, I don't know how, I don't know if he was a prepper or what, but he happened to have a lot of batteries and he was like, batteries, antibiotics um, were all huge things. And this is, again, looking at something that's much more long-term, but I just think even on a basic level, you know, so let's say the lights go out for a month or something like that um you know having these like first aid kits uh having this type of stuff on hand and i happen to have a lot of these things on hand from doing a lot of hiking and camping right and it's kind of worked out well um yeah so these are all good things for trade and i don't know if you want to add anything to to that list as well um i'm i'm sure there's a lot more to it than just that
2: um, mm,
0: yeah so much um yeah. what Yeah. And and that's okay. If if you, if you don't want to add
1: anything. Yeah. Um, that's also fine. Um, so, um, well, I, I think that that's a good, um, starter. Let's put it that way. I think it's a good starter. I think we covered energy. We covered water, um, We covered uh, currency and that sort of stuff. We spoke about food. You know, if I can give anyone a piece of advice here, no matter where you live, um, if you have the ability to grow your own food, start growing food right now. There is a war on food. I've spoken about this before. Um, I'm going to be doing another podcast on that. I'm researching for that currently to try and collate my thoughts. Um, And if you don't have the means to start growing food, learn how to preserve food. And learn how to start building at least a a temporary pantry, um, or not temporary, but a pantry that can at least sustain you for, you know, for for weeks on end. And uh, just start thinking about that and start looking into it, I think is good advice. Um, Do you have anything else that, and again, this is an open conversation, is there anything else that we haven't covered today that you think would be absolutely vital for someone who's never thought about this type of stuff before?
0: Uh, just, just to hit on that uh, last point there about growing food, yeah, um, saving seeds um, mm. is very important because it's
2: a skill too, like it's it a takes skill. time yeah. to learn how to seed each type of. But, um, wasn't these things don't happen overnight, and, and growing food itself doesn't happen overnight. Like no, I, I met no. someone that was trying to start up a business, and she was just like, "Oh, I'll, um, I'll grow food and I'll sell it in a farm store." And her crops didn't work out because she was just like overstretching herself, and she just thought that growing food was just it was just so simple. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it does. It's fairly simple, and but it does take practice, especially when you're doing it on a larger scale. That's a skill on its own. So, like, take it slowly, and um, but but still, at the same time, dive into it. Like Justin Rhodes, um, he's a vlogger that we uh, like to watch, and. He used to say when he did his Great American Farm Tour is just grow one tomato. Like just start with that and get get something in the ground, and that skill alone. Because if you were to grow one tomato plant, you could learn how to seed seeds from that one tomato plant, and that would provide you food for next year. And you could grow two plants or five plants, and yeah. and so on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's really it. It's just starting, right? Um, It's it's starting. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I I take it you guys are preserving seeds. Like I have a very, I have a seed bank and I'll say that in air quotes and very loosely. But do you, do you have like a, a, are you storing them in a special way? Like are you controlling humidity uh, and stuff uh, like that? Or or do you have anything high tech? Uh, (laughs)
3: Anything. (laughs)
2: I I'm constantly moving my seeds because we don't have perfect storage. Um uh eventually when we have our, our cellar built, um the goal would be to we store it in the cellar because um in, in sealed containers because the te- the temperature. Okay. So I'm always moving my around. I thought because we were always moving our, ours around and we haven't had them in perfect conditions, I was like, these seeds so this year when I was tossing down tomato seeds, um, because I just grow them in like a, a flat and then I pot them on. So I tossed down like 20 seeds in like one little spot. And I, I was like, these vine tomatoes that I got from, I think his his mother, many, like probably six years or seven years ago. Um, I thought, there's no way these are going to be viable. We haven't been storing these properly. So I threw all of them down. 40 of those <laughs> seeds came up. <laughs> so when they tell you that seeds shouldn't, like I I hear people say all the time, only last one year this type of seed only lasts two years like obviously that's not quite accurate you can screw up your your seed saving um uh and have it in poor temperatures and and kill them yeah. but also they're probably a little bit more um uh resilient than we think they are
1: yeah as i've yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm actually recording a, another podcast um, like very soon and uh, it's it's with a with a gardener. Um, and he's, I won't spoil the whole thing for everyone, but basically, you know, he he's taken plants that are just like dead, you know, he's, he's seen plants that have been dormant for like five, six years, and he just brings them back to life, you know, so I think that there's a lot to be said for that, um, you know, because I've had some seeds, like I, I've had some seeds that didn't sprout, um, but generally, I would say that, I would say 90% of the seeds that I have saved, whenever I put them in the ground or in pots or whatever, they always sprout and they, they always come up. Um, so for those of you who are um, gardening, I'll just throw one piece of advice out there because there's so much to talk about with all of that. Uh, one thing that you might want to do, because I've made this mistake before, is especially with, um, first of all, if you're looking at, at this from a prepper standpoint, you really want to look at growing stuff that's high-calorie food. Uh, you also want to look at things that store well, right? So if you're growing lots of spinach, for example, well, spinach is not very high-calorie. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't store very well. Yes, you can freeze it, but that's kind of it, right? There's not a whole lot you can do with that. Um, but the other thing is, and not I'm not discouraging anyone from growing spinach or leafy, le- leafy greens or anything like that, but what i found really helps is if you, um, so let's say you put seeds in the ground uh, June 1st, Okay, so let's just say that Um, what you can do is as those start sprouting up and they start to get to maybe six or eight inches, throw down another row of seeds right next to them. And so you do overseeding. And if you keep doing that through the season, you'll actually have fresh crops in rotation. And instead of pulling the leaves off, um, you can actually pull the whole plant out and there'll be another one ready to go. Uh, you can also do alternating, so you don't have to do like let's say you uh, a row of spinach and then a month later put another row of spinach. You can put a different plant altogether, right? And this is in fact how a lot of my friends who are doing um, greenhouse growing in in an organic setting, um, these guys are turning over their greenhouses five or six times um, by by June, you know, um, and that's because of overseeding. So anyway, just something if you wanted to maximize your food output, um, those are some things you might want to think about. So. Um, and- yeah.
0: One thing to add to that as well. Mm. Um, you know, gardening shouldn't be looked on as a, as a hard thing. I mean, there's, there's other ways, you know, um, like for example, perennial foods, um, you know,
3: mm. you plant them mm. once
0: and they come back many years. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, perennial unknown perennial foods that, uh, that are not, um, widely known about. That are not, uh, that are, that will grow in this area, you know, um, and they're very easy you put them in the ground once and they come back for years and years yeah uh, so yeah. that's another option you know?
2: and also building the skill of um learning how to forage wild foods is a really really valuable skill if you were to have a food crisis yeah you yeah
3: having access to the food that is and
2: and all on its own you're not taking care of it
0: you realize how much abundance is actually out there oh it's great you know, how much yeah. edible food there is that you know yeah. It's, yeah.
1: it's amazing yeah. I mean, I think that like the larger population, you know, we're so used to fast foods, convenient stuff, um, you know, throw stuff in the microwave or the oven or what have you. And uh, yeah, little do we know that if you actually really had to take it back to basics and live close to the land, eating a whole foods type of diet, those are the types of foods that you would really be foraging. You know, I mean, traditionally, you've got hunter hunter gatherers, right? Um, we like right. to always focus on the hunting part, but the gathering part was probably even more um occupied more of their time uh as as opposed to the hunting part you know and that brings in foraging and that sort of stuff so
2: yeah it does take practice to learn how to prepare those foods you are actually enjoying them um Mm -hmm. so practicing now because you can read as many books or look on the internet as much as you want on what foods are edible and i've been doing it for years but once you actually start getting out in the field you start start questioning yourself first of all because like We've instilled this fear that we're going to die from anything that we eat in the forest, but removing that fear, but also having the safety involved, Um, but Mm -hmm. learning how to cook it so that you enjoy it because uh, like your mental health and how you enjoy that food, (laughs) in my opinion, brings you health on its own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's um, it's uh, you know what we're talking about here on a very macroscopic perspective is we're 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 trying to shift our perception of things and move to a different way of of existing, right? I mean that's really what this is, and there's so many different layers to that and so many different um, parts to that. That, um, you know, we can't cover everything in one episode, right. but also you can't just do it all at the same time. I mean, it's like, yeah, I would love, I personally, I mean, I know I know a bit about foraging, but that's definitely um, high on my list of, of things that I want to learn. Um, if nothing else, I mean, you know, coming back yeah. to your point about gardening uh I, it's a lot of fun you know i mean i, I don't it look is. at it as like a chore it's awesome to just watch plants grow and watch how they grow and see what plants do better where and that's you know right. yeah it's just it's learning right. you know it's learning and it's fun um i find now if i can just to wrap us up i'm going to throw a complete curveball out there and it's and it's quite it's going to be something a little different but okay um what and and if you if you don't have any insights that's fine um but i think you do what about you know in these situations where you've got um partners so let's say you got a couple right you got families family units yeah and you've got some people in the family like let's say you got a husband or a wife in the family that really wants to go down this road and you have a partner that doesn't or that doesn't quite see it do you have any um insights on that because i know a lot of people in our community they're aware of this and trying to Um, educate their family not even their immediate family but also their extended family members whether it be parents grandparents um, aunts uncles and what have you Um, they kind of feel a little bit like they're rolling a boulder up a hill Uh, yeah do do you have any insight on that um you know
2: this really well the other night when we were talking about it Uh, the the idea of how you you speak to people
0: yeah yeah that's that's a good point yeah so just approaching people in general, um, not approaching them, um, not coming up with an argument, right? Not a combative uh, attitude with somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have a different opinion than you, completely different opinion, but being able to speak to and communicate to people on a level where it's not a fight and it's not an argument, right? And you can respect the other person's view, uh, without actually going into, um, you know, a debate on whose opinion's right and this and that. Um, that is a real good skill to have, um, you know, because everybody's opinion is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, but avoiding those conflicts is the key, I think, and being, you know, skillful and being able to communicate um It's not
2: avoiding the conflict, but avoiding creating conflict because we have to be able to interject ourselves into conversation in a way that is productive. Yeah. Is really what you're getting at. Yeah. Because if we just. Avoid conflict then we 're never going to deal with problems
1: <laughs> yeah well I, th- I, think, I think also what i 'm getting at is you know look if if nothing else, I mean the last two and a half years has really created so much division in society and and not just in society but also within families and um, you yeah. know there 's a lot of people that are concerned about what 's going on in the world they're aware of certain things that are going on in the world. Um, But because of, you know, whether it be censorship, whether it be media, whether it be whatever it is, right, we we all know what's going on there. There, There's there's another segment of the population that are perhaps not, um, either not paying attention because they don't want to look at it, or they're just simply unaware of some of these things and the gravity of some of these things that are going on in the background. And so, you know, for me personally... Um, I, I'm I'm not operating from a fear-based mindset. I'm operating from more of a, just being prepared, you know. And and if yeah. if I yeah. if I don't need any of these things and I never have to tap into my dry food stores or never have to fire up my generator, awesome, that's great. But if I do, then as as happened a couple of weeks ago, then I am prepared. And and that's the way I look at this. And I think that for some people, the the conflict that they're having in their relationships with their significant others and so on is more to do with how do I relay the sense of urgency to you or how do I how do I share this information with you and you don't look at me like I'm completely crazy for going out and buying a generator or storing food in a pantry or or what have you you know and I think that's where a lot of our listeners and our community they find themselves there you know where they're paying attention to these things and other people are just are simply not um, so I guess that, that j- just to sort of elaborate on my, my question, uh, maybe that'll help you as well.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if, if, um, if that is a concern, I mean, it is important to communicate that to, to mm-hmm. who you, you know, to your, to your partner or whoever in your family that is, it is an important subject and it is something that has to be addressed, right. Um, in a correct manner. Um, and you know, if, if it comes to it, you've got to be prepared to um to, to prepare for all situations is what i'm trying to say
3: yeah all right yeah you've
0: got to weigh up everything um you know you've got to face it and not necessarily um it's not necessarily going to be the worst case scenario but you've got to or you've got to face that um it's like facing your worst fears you know you to mm-hmm. Get over that, you have to be able to face it, right um, yeah,
1: yeah well, I think also um you know one one thing that I've sort of the way I've approached it anyway is sometimes you know it's so it's obviously good you need to talk about these things um, but it's also okay if you just do it quietly by yourself and just be prepared. You know, with certain things. So even if people think you're completely batshit crazy, it's okay. You know, that's fine. Um, Because if and when things go down, um, well, great. You know, you you will have uh, you will have been prepared. Um, So that's 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 how I've navigated um, certain topics anyway, because there's also different shades of gray here. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, we're going to store dry food. It's another thing to talk about, um, you know, things that are very far down the road. Um, Like, let's let's go live off grid. You know, I mean, that that's a completely different kind of conversation altogether. Um,
0: You know, some people go through things, uh, they experience things and it makes them um, gives them a realization. And And you know a lot of people who who are in this mindset right now have actually been through something and they're in a position to say, "Oh well, what if that happens again?" you know mm-hmm. that their partners might may not necessarily have experienced something like that,
3: and they yeah. might
0: not necessarily see the urgency and you know of uh, have, have, um, been faced with something like that before. So in, in some situ- you know like like this COVID thing, you know, it's it shocked a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's an opportunity for people to to take that and do something with it. So, but the the people who <clears throat> have not been really affected by it, and the, you know they're just going along, saying, "Oh, uh, I, want, I want a handout," or mm-hmm. you know, a, sol- a quick solution handed to me. Those people that might not necessarily see the full, get the full picture, and they might not necessarily understand the seriousness or the extent of you know things that can go wrong yeah um so it's, it's everybody's different and had different experiences and had different levels of understanding and so it's it's really hard isn't it to to be able to communicate one message to to yeah. everybody yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but um you know it's yeah, well, I so, I hear you. you know and, teaching
3: um, people to
2: look outwardly.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, I think also to to be fair, or t- you know, I I also think that we're in this time period right now where we're being called to exercise great compassion. Um, you know, for w- for whatever reason, right? I mean, there is just so much conflict. There is so much division. Um, on topics that oftentimes are just not even really relevant, to be quite frank. But nonetheless, um, there are also people that are realizing, that are starting to realize what's actually going on and that have maybe um, regretted some of the decisions or the way that they've thought about things before or chastising other people in their family or their community. And I think that um, you know, there's, it's, it's a time for compassion. It's maybe a time for forgiveness as well. And just to really start thinking about this thing um, for, from a humble perspective, but also just saying, hey, you know what? I would rather be prepared and not need it than uh, need it and not be prepared. I mean, I think that's, yeah. the, that's yeah. the overarching message that uh, I would like to impart with people um, today. So, um, well, I think that's that's a good conversation and we've been going for just more than an hour. So I'm going to wrap things up there. Um, thank you so much for carving out the time today and um, for, for joining me. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, love what you guys are up to and and the direction that you've gone. Um, So thanks for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, awesome. And for those of you um, listening, uh, as always, if you enjoyed today's show, please consider subscribing, leaving us a review, and uh, most importantly, especially these types of episodes, uh, sharing these types of things with your friends, your family, and your community. Uh, So thanks everyone for tuning in, and uh, you have yourself a beautiful day wherever you are.